You're listening to Soundrise Podcast, a show hosted by Alex in Serbia and Vlada in Poland. Each week we cover a different artist or band and engage in open, spontaneous debates and discussions about specific parts of their discographies. Our goal is to expand their musical horizons and cover a great range of genres and styles. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash soundwisepod and on social media at soundwisepod. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Soundrise Podcast. Alex, how are you doing today? Hey Vlada, I'm doing great. Um, looking forward to the spring and looking forward to going back to normal, to be honest. Uh, this pandemic has, has been really tough. Um, and I'm also excited about uh, this episode because this is a Patreon episode, a special one that we do every month. And we had two fantastic suggestions in our poll. Uh, one of them won, so uh, we're now going to talk about that band, and you can now introduce us uh, to to the band, or introduce our audience to the band that we're going to cover. Yes, and, and first I want to mention a few words about our Patreon page. So basically, if you guys decide to support us, uh, if you uh, invest as much as $5 a month, for example, and you can go as low as one, of course, but if you invest $5, you get a special privilege, a special right to suggest bands for our Patreon poll. And each month we cover one of the bands suggested by our dear Patreons. Um, today we're talking about Spirit, which was suggested by David, our dear and uh, long-standing Patreon. Uh, however, very often we also happen to cover the losing band because we kind of feel bad about it. And also you guys come up with phenomenal suggestions. So please check out our Patreon page, look at our special uh, Patreon tiers and see if there's something that interests you there. We appreciate any help we can get and any support. Uh, it is thanks to you that we keep going at this show. So far we've been... Uh, 35 episodes in, right? And we're very proud of what we've achieved so far, but none of this would be possible without you. So, without please, any... In these challenging times, please support your local business and your favorite <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yes. And uh, I have to say, today's suggestion, that one, is a band that's very dear to my heart. Spirit, a phenomenal California-based 60s band, that I discovered in my teens, and I still love to this day, so I couldn't be more excited, and um, I'll tell you why. This band was founded back in 1967, amidst the whole psychedelia craze. However, um, I have to say a few things about the band members that I think will really bring home how phenomenal, how accomplished these musicians were. So the band was founded by Randy California, uh, who happened to play with none other than Jimi Hendrix. In 1966, he was a member of Jimi Hendrix's band, back before Jimi departed for the UK and made all the history. And the interesting thing about it is that his actual name is Randy Wolf, but Jimi Hendrix had two Randys in the band, so he called one Randy California and the other Randy Texas because of their states of origin. So this stuck and I don't need to tell you uh, how amazing it is that uh, he got to play with Jimi Hendrix and what that says about his accomplishments as a guitar player. Jimi Hendrix was very appreciative of Randy's playing and we will talk more about it over the course of this episode. Then another thing that's super interesting here is that the drummer, Ad Cassidy, was at that time Randy California's stepfather. So imagine this situation. That's so wow. highly unusual, uh, especially back in those days. Nowadays, you have these old bands where, uh, due to all kinds of lineup changes, you have sons playing with their fathers, you know, bands like Nazareth, or we had Van Halen prior to uh, Eddie's horrible death. Uh, and interestingly enough, one of the main members of Spirit played for Nazareth in, at some point. I think it was in the early 80s. Exactly, yes. So 
uh, it was Mark Andes, um, not Mark Andes, it was John Locke, right? John Locke, the keyboard player who played. Mark Andes actually played for Ken Heat, interestingly yes, enough. Yes, so now you're getting an idea of the pedigree of this band. But I want to go back to uh, Ed Cassidy, the stepfather. He was 20 years older than the rest of the band members. So a very unusual situation. And that speaks volumes about how much this band was invested in musicianship rather than any other external motivations. Ed Cassidy as a drummer, though, was a very accomplished jazz drummer. He played with the likes of Gary, Gary Mulligan, Thelonious Monk, and Cannonball Adderley. And prior to founding Spirit with his stepson, he played with the band called The Rising Suns, which unfortunately never got to release their record during the 60s. But what's special about this band was that it featured one and only Ry Cooder on the guitar and Taj Mahal on vocals. So uh, as you know, these are household names nowadays. Taj Mahal went on to make a fantastic, uh, greatly successful solo career as a blues musician. Ry Cooder is one of the guitar icons. Um, he made so much great music. He collaborated with so many legends. Um, so Ed Cassidy was their drummer. So that speaks volumes about his skills. And then we have Jay Ferguson. And Jay Ferguson, you could argue, was the principal, the main member of the band. And the interesting thing about him was that one time I was watching some show on the TV. It was, I think, some 90s crime show. And suddenly the credits appeared and said, Music by Jay Ferguson. Um, I was thinking, oh, could that be the same Jay Ferguson that played with Spirit? And then I checked it out, and of course it was. And he is known as a very prolific composer for TV and films. He did the main theme for... The Office, if you're familiar with that show, very popular show. And, you know, this also shows how competent and how, how uh, accomplished as a musician he, he is. So Jay Ferguson, a, a phenomenal composer, and he did a lot of music for Spirit, especially, especially early on, which we will touch upon very shortly. So the band, of course, after these initial years with the original lineup went through a lot of tumultuous times, lineup changes. Um, so we're not going to focus on that part of their discography. We want to focus on their best releases because I think that's where you should start from if you're not familiar with this band. However, I want to give you an interesting anecdote uh, about one of their 70s reincarnations. I think sometime in the late 70s, most of the original band members came back to the fold and they were having, uh, they were playing a show and John Locke asked his friend Neil Young to join them in for the encore. However, Randy California, who was pretty much in charge of the band at that time, didn't really like that. He didn't know about it. He just saw Neil Young uh, come on, on the stage and he got really annoyed by that as he believed that Neil Young was trying to overshadow him. So he came over and started pushing Neil Young outside the stage. And this was a major scandal at the time. The band had to stop playing. Ed Cassidy ran out from behind his drum kit and tried to separate them. And uh, that, uh, that basically resulted in the band breaking up again and then reforming with a completely different lineup. So... Unfortunately, Randy California lost his life in an accident in, in 1990s, which is a huge loss to the music world, but the band spirit lives on. So without any further ado, I want to start with the first record. And first, I'm going to ask Alexander. Alexander, what do you think about this record? Okay, so the debut album called Spirit, the self-titled album, of course, um, Initially, I wasn't overly impressed with it, but after the second listen, I just realized how authentic and fantastic these guys were. Um, the first album is stacked with fantastic tracks, um, very influential, very experimental, and very energetic. 
So let's start from the beginning. Fresh garbage, short and simple lyrics, great sounding track. It, it's, it's, I think it's in their DNA to start albums with fantastic tracks. We will also see that with the latter albums. Uncle Jack, I think it was about God. I'm not too sure. And you can also see, you know, throughout the rest of the record that you have some some sort of references where they are mentioning um, some person, maybe it's God or some or someone else, with uh, metaphorical names. You have Gramophone Man, Elijah, Uncle Jack, you know, not straightforward names. Yeah, and I think that's I, interesting I th about these I, guys. I think, sorry to interrupt you, I think the lyrics often lend themselves to different interpretations here. Not, It's not always easy to to be exactly sure what the band is uh, talking about. And I kind of like that. It's really in spirit with their music. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you. Um, also, Taurus, I think it's a, it's a great track because it offers this nice break because the first couple of tracks are really energetic and punchy. And then Taurus kind of slows things down. It's a, it's a nice, I think it was an instrumental um, it's also one of the most famous tracks from this album. It's, as, a, it's as far a notorious know. track, and I'll explain why. And, and this is kind of rather unfortunate. But, you know, back in uh, 1969, I think Led Zeppelin, which was newly formed at that time, toured with Spirit for a while. And they got to hear some of their tracks. And they even borrowed some of the music for their live jams. Uh, however, um, most notably... Uh, the opening sequence of Taurus really resembles the opening sequence of Stairway to Heaven. And there's been much talk about this, especially in recent years when Randy California's estate, because Randy California wrote the song, his estate decided to sue Led Zeppelin. And uh, they, I think they lost the lawsuit. But what I found most unfortunate about it was... One, uh, Randy did not do that while he was alive, so he probably considered that to be a bad move and he didn't want to do anything of that sort. He could have easily done it. Other people sued Led Zeppelin and won because Led Zeppelin, as much as I like them, are notorious for their plagiarism. And this is just one of many instances of such. Um, however, I saw a lot of comments on the internet where people were trashing spirits saying, who are these nobodies? Why would they sue the great Zeppelin? Oh and, and, you know, I just want to express how disgusted I am by this. Because just because Spirit wasn't as commercially successful doesn't make them any less of musicians. It doesn't uh, than, take any, anything away from them. Yeah, I mean, they were... I could argue that they were just as good and just as competent musicians as Led Zeppelin. I mean, it's, it's, it really comes down to your taste. And this is one of the greatest 60s bands that we're talking about, in my humble opinion. Spirit, even though they didn't have as much commercial success as these big names, they, in my mind, are right there in terms of originality, in terms of musicianship. Uh, I think that uh, this record, let's go back to the record, this record clearly shows um, it's not the most accessible records of there. Uh, it kind of, you know, it kind of takes some time to sink in, but it really shows how original their vision was. Because at that time, you had so many psychedelic bands, and they often sounded a bit gimmicky. However, Spirit never sounds gimmicky to me, and it seems Not to me that, that they create atmosphere in a completely different way compared to other bands. They really have a lot of music knowledge and they utilize it in the best manner possible to create atmosphere and it never feels cheap it never feels forced and, and most importantly it always feels melodic even if the songs sound very experimental and unusual would you agree with that Totally, totally. I, I, I agree that it is not an easily accessible um, album because uh, I actually got to like this album after the second listen. The initial listen wasn't really that convincing, while the second was very enjoyable. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's, really, it's really hard to pick uh, any flaws with, with this record. I'm, I was really impressed with it. I think it was uh, definitely one of the most influential, influential records, that is. And also bands, let's uh, 
uh, let's face it. Um, for example, uh, the track Gramophone Man, it really reminds me of The Doors. It has that sound, has that feel, and, you know, they were peers with Jim Morrison and the guys. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want this to sound I offensive. think this came <laughs> after The Doors' debut, though, so... But yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, and we're talking about two highly original bands from the era, and, and that's a good comparison in a way because I feel like bands like Spirit or Love, for example, another great 60s band, deserve to be on the same pedestal as The Doors. And it's it's not the case, obviously, because The Doors are so much more popular. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. Sorry, um, please go on. Yeah, I just wanted to go back to the rest of uh, the tracks here. So we have Straight Arrow. And to be honest, I didn't know that straight, the Straight Arrow actually has a meaning. Straight Arrow means a person with conventional morality, according to, according to Google. So that was interesting. Um, uh, moving on to Panga Windows, a bluesy tune. And it's actually a track where I think the keyboards were really prominent. Uh, so dominant, uh, but you know the rest of the instrumental work is also fantastic. I mentioned Gramophone Man, and finally the last track, Elijah, ten minutes improvised solos, fantastic so work. Good. This is my highlight, I think, because it really showcases their musicianship at its best. And you know, it like at times they sound like uh, an amazing jazz band, right? Especially thanks to Ed Cassidy. But so many wonderful guitar licks, uh, so many subtle tones, great keyboard work. Um, and it's like that throughout the record, I think. Uh, you have string arrangements. You Everything is so neatly packed, and yet they never sound like a cliché. Not once, which is, I think, one of the reasons why this record might be slightly difficult to get into at first. But it's very rewarding. Also, what about you singing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 go on, go on. Singing, great harmonies, right? Wonderful singing, several people singing. Uh, it just, everything sounds so immaculately executed and yet so soulful. Well, what were you going to say? Yeah, I'm actually surprised how good they were, you know, right at the beginning of their career you know this is their debut album can you believe that they were phenomenal yeah that's the thing like this band just came out on the scene and they already sounded so original so competent so professional really stand out uh, from most of the bands of the era i think there's been of course there were a lot of great bands at that time a lot of amazing musicians but these guys somehow just sound so uniquely tight and there's a special kind of chemistry. And you can tell that Jay Ferguson, who wrote most of the music here, really knows his stuff when it comes to music theory and just um, combining different influences. Yeah, yeah. So nothing to complain about here. And let's now move on to ratings and favorite tracks. This is really difficult. So Vlada, I'm going to let you first do this. So uh, very difficult, but I will choose maybe an unusual choice because there's other good tracks. But Elijah is the one track that I like the most. That can, of course, change with the next listen to this record. have to say, um, as somebody who really loves Spirit, and maybe I could call myself a fan, I don't really go back to this record so often as I do with other two that we were going to talk about. But um, maybe following this episode, I'll I'll go more, I'll I'll visit it more often and try to get more out of it because I feel like there's a lot of very subtle details that might not be easily noticeable if you're not super familiar with the record. Uh, so yeah, Elijah to me is a great showcase of what this band is capable of. Fantastic drumming, fantastic keyboard work. Uh, Randy's guitar style has that kind of instantly recognizable tone, kind of creamy. I really, really love that that fretwork of his. The rating, I, w I would give this one an 8. So a solid 8, um, mainly because I feel like the other records that we're going to talk about 
are a step forward compared to this one. I don't know if everyone agrees with it. I'm sure that there are fans out there who may not share that view. So I would love to hear it from you. What do you think? Is this one of the best records by Spirit? Is it just as good as the others that followed? Or is it just a great beginning, a great harbinger uh, of things to come? Well, uh, you already have one person that could possibly disagree with you but let's now stick to the first record so my rating is um and i'm really afraid to do this band injustice i'm gonna give them 8.5 and this definitely has a potential to grow um and the standard track is really hard to pick but i'll go with gramophone man it reminds me of the doors uh actually the long the, the longest standing band in my collection so that's my standard track and we can now move on to the next record the follow-up uh, which is called the family that plays together so vlada you said that you thought the subsequent records are an improvement let's hear your thoughts on this record okay so uh this is i think the record that i listened to the most in recent years um, and and there are several reasons why first of all this one has a lot of that great stuff that graced the first record. So the feel is kind of similar. You know, the, the, the instrumental sound, the guitar sound, uh, the string arrangements. Uh, but this one is far more accessible, in my opinion. It kind of starts with the bang, with what might be their most well-known tune, I Got a Line on You. And you might have heard this tune before without even being aware it's spirit. Such a good track. Yes, yeah, so good. So instantly, uh, like it, it hooks you right from the get-go, and it doesn't give, give in. Right till the end of the song, it doesn't let go. And it, it's so powerful, great rhythms, um, very upbeat, uh, a chorus. Again, I love this kind of overlapping of vocals in the chorus. Sounds very powerful. The singing, uh, guitar licks, all these wonderful bluesy guitar licks. Uh, just, just. Uh, this is the kind of tune you know that you want to include on every possible '60s compilation you can think of. Then, but then to make things better, the record goes on to even higher plateaus for example it shall be is the next tune and it's an immediate departure from the first track because it tones things down there's this very spooky atmosphere uh, very subtle drumming guitars some strings right and then th the record the song goes from this slow part and develops into this very powerful booming chorus great stuff great stuff uh shows actually it shall be it shall be is the only track uh, where john law contributed on the whole record oh yeah interestingly enough uh but it's it's uh, great stuff nevertheless you know um john Locke is an amazing musician uh, especially here on this record you can really hear his keyboard work in full glory and this is one of the tracks where you get it and then uh, Poor Richard, another favorite of mine as well. And uh, But then the, the Let next... Let me guess. Mm -hmm. Poor Richard had... You, you liked Poor Richard because of the bass, right? Oh, yeah, the bass. Okay, that's another thing that we, we have to emphasize because otherwise we would do a huge injustice to Mark Andes. This kind of bass work, uh, it's, it, it's so perfectly in unison with... Cassidy's drums. Uh, sometimes I love these parts where they, where you can clearly hear just the drums and, and the bass don't really get in the way. Um, it's so tight. I, I, I honestly can't think of many bands that had such a tight rhythm section. And then uh, Silky Sam has more of that kind of uh, eerie atmosphere from It Shall Be. Uh, and, and I just can't get enough of that. 
again, these, this very subtle guitar work, um, some strings on top of it, kind of creeping on you. Beautiful, just beautiful. And, uh, and then another track. So all these first five tracks, I have to be honest, I, I really think all of them are highlights for me. And every time I listen to this record, I would just flip out at these first five tracks. Drunkard, such a heartbreaking ballad about a person who lost everything. A drunkard who cannot find his way back, who feels detached from the society and his family. Uh, wonderful strings following this song. Really nice string work. Um, there's especially like after each verse, there's this nice little string part that kind of emphasizes the sorrow, the sadness, the poignancy of the song. Okay, but I have to stop ranting because I feel I'm getting overexcited about this music and I want you to speak a bit. Yeah, um, I, I mostly agree with you, um, especially this first half of the record. Um, I got a line on you is uh, absolutely a highlight. I mean... To start a record with that kind of track is is a statement. It, it just shows how good you are. And um, the rest of the tracks also, they, they offer something else, you know, something a bit different, but that, that doesn't take away anything from the record overall. You, you have these atmospheric songs like It Shall Be. Um, and uh, one, of the, one of the most interesting things about this band is... Uh, from time to time, they have some Jewish references. You have a song that's called Jewish uh, in this record. Then you had you had Elijah and in, uh, in the in the first record. Uh, do you have any insight on that, Vlada? Interesting because it's completely in Hebrew. It's based on a traditional Hebrew song. That's why it's called uh, Jewish. And you have this repetition Shalom. And, and it, again. The band really shows its genius there as well. I, I, I really love how it's done. It's kind of very risky to include a song like that on a record, a song that's not even in English. You know, that might have been like um, kind of inconsistent with the rest, but the band makes it perfectly consistent with the rest of the record. Again, the same kind of musicianship graces this track as well. Uh, so... Really good stuff, really good stuff. They were definitely capable of risking Vlada, right? Oh, for sure. And, and uh, that's why I love them so much. Because as I previously mentioned, uh, it was typical for the bands of the time to have all these different psychedelic sounds. But I think Spirit really defies that because they sound psychedelic with using different more subtle means like they don't just shove it in your face and uh, at the end of the day they try to make something interesting out of every track they either play some kind of interesting rhythm or bass line or they have some interesting overlapping vocals vocal lines like there's always a certain surprise behind every turn behind every corner and that's what I really, really appreciate. And that's why this band bought me for life when I first heard them. And this love has only grown stronger over the years. And every time I go back to their records, I cannot stop marveling at, at how original they were and how criminally underrated they seem to be, in my opinion. Come on, people, give this band some love. They deserve to be in the pantheon of the 60s greats. Totally agree. Um, I think they are definitely underrated. And uh, I know I also think that they are uh, equally creative, both instrumentally and lyrically. Uh, so this band definitely deserves a listen. And I just can't wait to go back to some of these records, Vlada. So um, shall we now move on to the ratings? Yes, even though there's so much to talk about when it comes to this record. So please, dear listeners, go get it, listen to it, enjoy it. You know, if you love 60s music, you cannot go wrong with this. If you like the Beatles, if you like the Stones, if you like the Doors, if you like all these great... Well, there's one band that you might have not heard of that's pretty much almost or just as good, right? So go get their records, listen to them. But... 
as for the rating for this one, mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll give this one, oof, I'll give it, um, I'll give it a 9.5. I think it, it's the kind of record mm. that really stands out in the 60s. That's one of the best records released during this period. And we all know how many great records were released back then. So, yeah, I was thinking between 9 and 9.5 because I, I didn't want to give it too high a rating. But then, hey, as I said, you know, every time I put this on, the, just the first five tracks blow me away. Every time. So I, I have to be honest with myself, and I'll give it 9.5. And the best track, I don't know what the best track is. Maybe Drunkard. I, I was always kind of partial to that one. Or Silky Sam, or It Shall Be. I don't know. Alexander, what do you say? Okay, um, for some reason... I actually prefer the first track and uh, sorry, not the first track, the first album that is. And for that reason, I can't give it a higher rating than um, than Spirit. So I'll go with eight, eight out of ten. And again, this has the potential to go up. And my standard track is um, I don't want to be predictable. Um, but I have to go with I got a line on you. I think it's an absolute banger of a tune. That's my standout. And uh, we can now move on to 1970. So the first, uh, the first two uh, albums were from 1968, and now we're moving on to the 70s. Yeah, um, we skipped one record, uh, which probably yeah. deserves just as much attention. The record called Clear. We skipped that one. But please check it out too, okay? If you like these other records, you like that one too. But yeah, let's go to 1970 and 12 Dreams of Dr. Sardonicus. So Alexander, I want to so hear your, I, yeah. your impressions first. <laughs> all right, all right. So I wanted to ask you first, but you know, it doesn't matter anyway. Oops, because sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries, no worries, mate. Um, okay, so this album... I initially thought that this album marked the peak of their career. I thought that this was their absolutely, um, you know, most successful record in many ways. And it's, it probably is, but I'm not too excited about the whole record. I'm actually... Um, leaning more towards the second half of the record because I noticed some sort of change. You know, the, the first half of the record sounds a bit... It sounds that uh, um, it sounds like they played safe in a way. It sounds more structured, more accessible, while the second half of the record is much more punchy. It has those fat bass lines, uh, fantastical more, more psychedelic sounds, right? Yeah, and that's why I prefer the second half, and that's why it was really difficult for me to rate this album. But would you agree that uh, this album really has two faces, and it it sounds like uh, uh, probably a mainstream success? I'm not too sure about you know the general accomplishments, but it sounds like a proper mainstream record that offers both worlds, you know, the alternative and the mainstream. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, this record is definitely more streamlined than the previous ones, more accessible. It might have something to do with, uh, with the times which were changing in 1970. So the band maybe stepped away from some of its initial weirdness. Uh, they still retained a lot of it, but just made a bit of a departure there. Uh, maybe it has to do with the producer, David Briggs, who's, as you know, dear music lovers, was a producer of Neil Young's. So he he was actually suggested by Neil Young, uh, who was, uh, as, as we already mentioned, friends with the band. So uh, David Briggs is um, at the helm here, and the, the sound changes in a in both a good way and a bad way, in a sense. But I don't, I don't want to say anything bad or negative about it. I think you have a point that the record is more streamlined, that the record is more accessible, especially the first half. 
However, this record is consistent throughout. There's not a single weak track. There's not a single track where you go, oh, I, I will just skip this. Everything is so immediately great that you just keep going back to it over and over again. Now, having said that, uh, I might be a bit partial to it. I might be a bit biased because this is the record that I initially discovered Spirit with. I was, what, 16? I, I was in some online forums, I remember, yeah, I was talking to some Rolling Stones fans, and I remember one Dutch guy saying, oh, but the Rolling Stones are not my favorite band, it's Spirit. I asked, who are they, Who's, who are Spirit? And then he explained that they were a band from the 60s and so on, and the rest was history. I, I immediately went on to find this record, and this is their most appreciated, most critically acclaimed record. So it's not just my bias, it's also almost a general consensus, even though at times I thought that the family that plays together might be slightly better, but then at other times I would think, oh, but this is the definitive record by Spirit. So it's hard to, hard to tell when you have such great records, you know, uh, next to one another. Uh, also the first one and the third one, that, the one that we skipped. So, Alexander, I kind of agree with you, but I think the record is great throughout. What do you say to that? Yeah, they still have that quality that we embraced uh, with the with the previous two records. Uh, it's not gone. I, I'm not saying that they are like sellouts or something. Uh, it's just a slight switch, you know, and it's it probably has something to do with the times, you know, the 70s. Um, this 60s stuff was pretty much new in 67, 68. Now, they're, you know, the general population is kind of used to it. So um, I, I don't think that this takes any, anything away from, yeah, from the record. I, I personally prefer the second half. You know, that's another thing that you touched upon. It's how quickly the trends changed back in the day, like from year to year, basically. And if you listen to the records from 19... 67, 1968, and then you go to 1970, 1971, it's like a completely different style for a lot of bands. I mean, they retain most of their sound, but uh, a lot of bands went into a more stripped-down direction, more a folky direction. Uh, and here, you can, you can feel that here. For example, the opening track, uh, Nature's Way, is a very... Uh, intense dark folk tune, right? It has those acoustic. Oh, that, that's the second guitars. track, actually. That's, yeah, yeah, the second track. The sorry, second. yeah, because the first, the first one, one is nothing to hide. Nothing to hide, which is of course also a great track with those wonderful horns in the chorus. W what did you yeah. think about the horns in, in uh, on this record? There's a lot of horn work. Yeah, I thought that the horns were a fantastic addition, and some of my favorite tracks here. Uh, have a really, um, you know, prominent horn sound. Absolutely great addition. Good job on that, guys. Yeah, great opening tracks. Nature's Way, uh, nothing to hide before it, right? And then... I think Nature's Way is about death. Yeah, yeah, it's about the cycle of life, you can argue. And I like the lyrics, and I love Randy California's performance here. It's his song. The first two songs are his. So... He, here he kind of came into his own. Remember, the first couple of records were dominated by Ferguson, but here you see, if you look at the credits, Randy wrote a lot of great stuff. Uh, John Locke wrote uh, a wonderful instrumental called Space Child, very psychedelic. Uh, so the band has become more of a democracy. Randy came into his own, and that's why I think this record feels a bit stronger than the previous ones in some ways. I think there's more musical diversity. Um, let's touch upon other tracks. Animal Zoo. What about that one, Alexander? What did you feel about that one? I think when it comes to the first half, I think Animal Zoo is one of the highlights. Um, also, Nature's Way, Nothing to Hide. Uh, I couldn't quite catch the meaning of Animal Zoo, Vlada, but the sound was great, you know, nevertheless. I think uh, 
basically the lyrics are about how unhealthy our environment, our civilization, and the civilization we created, how unhealthy it is, how... So it's more or less an environmental song. That's at least my take on it. Uh, but what I like about these songs like Animal Zoo or Nothing to Hide is how how much punch they pack up compared to previous records. We had I Got a Line on You, which was very punchy. But here you have much punchier sound overall. Like the record really rocks. And that's why it's maybe the best starting point for people who want to start listening to Spirit, this might be the best starting point because it's so easy to get into it. The, the, the record is driven by so much energy. Yeah, I totally agree, especially when it comes to the first track. It was it was a great introduction, just like with the previous two records. I mean, these guys really wanted to hook you up right from the get-go, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know what else? You know, you spoke about the second half, but there's something about that second half. For example, Mr. Skin. That's also one of the band's oh, staples. Such, such a great a tune. Uh, Mr. Skin, of course, was a nickname for Ad Cassidy because one of the things that we forgot to mention was that Ad Cassidy shaved his head. And that was very unusual for rock bands at the time. So he was kind of a uh, almost like a mascot for the band uh, but the song is such such a great R&B piece of music you know great beats uh, horn work uh, horn work especially yeah and, and then you have this beginning like I love the vocal beginning it kind of sounds so uh, it's so wild and crazy with this ah, ha, ha. okay my interpretation probably sucks but like, hear it out. It's like so, <laughs> so good. Another track that I think I heard elsewhere. I don't really get to hear Spirit much in other media, like in films or shows. But I think I heard this one in some films. Because it's so catchy uh, and such a great, powerful, visceral rock performance here. And then that song segues into Space Child. And Alexander, what do you think about this kind of psychedelic workout that Space Child is? Yes, yeah, Space Child was one of my highlights. Um, it's a great instrumental, and I think uh, that's when uh, this record started to get really, you know, seriously good. You know, that's, you know, I think the fifth track, I believe, or the sixth, I don't know. Uh, that's when um, no, actually the seventh. But that's the first track on the on the second half, and uh, you just know that something special is coming up. So I loved it, and as you mentioned earlier uh, in the episode, uh, this one was written by John Locke. Yeah, uh, and so many great tracks there. Uh, then we have the this very powerful psychedelic "When I Touch You" with those uh, almost droney guitar chords right a very different sound i think from some other tracks on this record so there is still a lot of diversity and a lot of experimentation here even though you might argue the record is cleaner in a way more accessible what what do you say alexander i think when it comes to the song when i touch you i wrote in my notes that the bass was crazy here you know crazy actually and um when i touch you is one of my highlights as well uh, but the next track you know that follows when i touch you street worm i wrote with capital letters stand out that was a fantastic oh, yeah, track yeah uh, another great yeah. jam here i think uh, what did you like about it the most the jam the free spirit in that the psychedelia everything uh, and the singing as well yeah can i can't forget that Mm -hmm. I like the guitar riffs. It's so cool. Like um, I don't know this. This record, as I said, packs up so much punch. And then you have "Morning Will Come," which is another like grand tune with horns. So auspicious, so glorious. This is something that might have not been present on the earlier releases, and I think that's what makes this one a fan favorite because it sounds so glorious. Um, and the last track, Soldier. 
have to say this has been my favorite track for a long time. It's very short. And it's a ballad. And there's something heartbreaking about it. Just the, the, the singing, the way it's so poignant. It's so intense with emotion. Did you have the same kind of impression? Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely agree. Soldier, a great track. It's actually surprising that it's that short. It's like two minutes and I think 40 seconds. Something short like and that. sweet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys are so good at creating first tracks and last tracks, you know. Uh, they're good at creating, you know, standout first tracks and last tracks, I have to say. I, I like how it ends on that poignant note following all these auspicious, glorious, grand tunes with booming drums and horns. And then it just goes into this kind of psychedelic ballad that finishes the record in a spectacular way. And um, I don't know, there's not much else we can say other than this is a total masterpiece. I think that um, another thing that I would like to point out is the transition between the tracks. They work so well together. For example, Love Has Found a Way has this kind of crazy, uh, interesting, uh, atmospheric, instrumental workout. And then it so seamlessly slides into Why Can't I Be Free with this very poignant acoustic line. It just... It, it feels like the, the extension of the previous song. And I really, really love that. I just remember when I was listening to the record, you know, uh, there was this um, long, you know, long period with, with great music. And I was like, is this still the same track? Are they that experimental? And then I just realized we have different tracks, but they kind of complement one another. Yes, and, and I really think this is the band at, at their peak. Randy came into his own. Lots of great songs written by him. Jay is there, too, with his stuff. Uh, John Locke contributes, too. And interestingly enough, following this, unfortunately, uh, the band kind of not broke up, but they had a huge lineup change. Um, I think half of the band formed another band called Jojo Gun, which is also worth checking out. Randy was inactive for a while. I think he had an accident. And then uh, John Locke and Ed Cassidy recruited some other musicians and, and made another spirit record. But given that they were not principal songwriters, this record went in a different direction. It's also a good record, though. Um, people kind of overlook it because it doesn't have uh, either California or Ferguson, but it's definitely worth your time as well. It's called Feedback, I think. But um, let's go back to, to the record at hand. So, Alexander, uh, should we go to ratings or is there anything else you'd like to mention? I would just like to give my final, my final word about this band. I, I'm really excited about them. I will definitely go back to these records and compare them yet again and see if the ratings have changed in the meantime but overall a great band definitely worth listening you know uh, this band wasn't really trendy back in in the time and today it is definitely not trendy and that's why i want to ask you guys you uh, i mean true music lovers and music geeks uh, i want to encourage you guys to pick um, these records up and listen to them uh, also come back to us tell us whether you like them or not this is definitely authentic authentic and uh, worth worth a listen i would say so my rating for this record is eight um just because of the first half which wasn't as convincing um this of course uh, may go up so eight and the standard track is street worm yes i think you have just perpetuated a crime against music uh but nevertheless what? because this record in my opinion is one of the best record of its time and it deserves 9.5 uh just like the previous oh, one wow. maybe slightly short of 10 i think it's a stronger record than the family that plays together not always sure about it as i previously mentioned but definitely a classic 
definitely one of those classic rock records that everyone should have. Uh, I think it's already kind of a consensus among very dedicated classic rock fans that this is one of the great classics of its era. And uh, I think that's not um, that's not a hyperbole in any sense. It's definitely a, a grand piece of music, uh, a grand statement by the band that unfortunately never really pulled it back together after this. So in a, in a sense, this was also a goodbye for this lineup. The best track, the highlight, oof, I will say Soldier, just because that's the song that I, I loved the most back when I started listening to this band. All right, Fana, fair enough. So um, we are now approaching the end of this episode. Guys, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, thanks to our dear patrons for suggesting great ideas. As always, uh, you can also become a patron uh, on our page at Sunrise Pod. That's how you can find us. Uh, the same handle is for our social media at Sunrise Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please, guys, if you like our show, if you would like to hear more about different types of music and bands, consider supporting us. You can donate as little as $1 per month. That would mean a lot to us. So uh, stay safe. We will see you in two weeks. Write a review and then you can share it. With the world. In any social media platform. And then your friends see it and you can share and discover new shows together. This is Steph, instigator of Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. And I'm Andy from Inspired Money. And I'm Arielle of Earbuds Podcast Collective and CastBox. We're here to tell you everything you need to know about Pod Rev Day. Which is on the 8th of every month of every year of every century of every... You get it. We are posting podcast reviews as part of hashtag Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. Because podcasters work their butts off and deserve to know how much they've impacted your lives and you can do that through reviews even one star feels surprisingly <laughs> good Does it? it lets you know that people are at least listening don't be a passive podcast listener write a review and tell your favorite creator what you love about their podcast or about a specific episode and to participate you just need to do one review and we'll see you every eighth of the month pod web day because podcasters deserve to hear it Hashtag Pod Rev Day. P O D R E V D A Y.